A lot of times when people want to go into tech, they pay attention to the big names, right? They pay attention to the oracles, the sales forces, the hub spots, the names that everybody knows. And those are hard. Those are difficult companies to get. Look for startups, look for small companies, look for companies that maybe aren't brand names. Because when you're thinking about pivoting into tech for the first time, chances are you're not going to land your dream company off the bat. Let me at least look for opportunities that, you know, I have a better chance of getting. You're going to get much farther along. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Techniche Tips. I am your host, Joseph M. Smith, and like always, I have another one for you. And this one is a special one. Now, I know I always say that, but it really is, because every episode to me is special. I have someone very special for you here, Alexis Rodriguez. Did I, did I roll my R right there? Yes. Rodriguez? Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. We're going to definitely talk about your story, but I got to do the youtube stuff, which is basically telling you guys to like, comment, and subscribe if you are watching this. If you don't know, there's also a podcast version of this as well, so go ahead, type in Techniche Tips and look it up in Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever podcasts are sold. <laughs> so with that being said, I want to just dive right into this conversation because we have a guest with us that can tell us a lot about the world of pre-sales because not only does she work in pre-sales or has worked in pre-sales as a sales engineer, but she also manages a group now. She's a manager of sales engineers. And so with that being said, I don't want to steal her thunder any longer. I'm going to pass over to Alexis. Let the people know what is it that you do and also what you're looking to do in the future. I think they'll be very excited to find that out. Yeah, sure. So like you mentioned, I'm Alexis. Um, I currently am a manager of solutions engineers at HubSpot. So I spent about four years um, up until this past April being a solutions engineer at HubSpot myself. And I really found in the last year or so that what got me excited, what got me out of bed, what I became passionate about was really helping other SEs hone their skills and help them figure out what their career paths are, um, helping them, coaching them, mentoring them, things of that nature. And through that experience, I realized that management was a calling for me. And that was my path and my next step. Um, I think it's, you know, something to be said when you get more excited about helping others and less excited about closing deals. That's kind of where I was. And so um, I've been a manager now for six months. So I'm still pretty, pretty new, pretty fresh, uh, still learning the ropes. But one thing that I am, you know, that I know for the future. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in five years, let alone 10 years from now. But I, I know that whatever I will be doing, it will be helping others in some capacity, um, whether it's, you know, through management, whether it's in some other kind of role where I'm able to really help people, um, you know, figure out what are their superpowers and how do they use them to, you know, attack whatever it is that they're working on, whether it's their job, whether it's stuff in their personal lives. Um, in addition to HubSpot, and I know one of the things that brought us here today is outside of my nine to five, I'm also teaching people um, how to break into technical pre-sales through a company called Learnful that was started by my good friend, Nigel. So pre-sales is kind of my life right now, um, whether I'm managing my nine to five or I'm working with people uh, in the evenings who are working in various industries, looking to break into tech, um, I'm, I'm all about it. Wow. So you have a very nurturing uh, 
part of who you are, which I could tell, like, you're like, hey, I want to help people. I want to get them to where they want to go. Where did that come from? Is that is that something that's always been a part of who you are? That's a really great question. Um, well, I am a water sign. <laughs> so I think maybe, maybe there's something there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm the oldest. I'm a big sister. Um, you know, I think I am very blessed. My parents are both, um, they both have very big hearts. And so my, my ethnic background for, for context is I'm Puerto Rican and Italian. And um, my parent, my parents both grew up in New Jersey, so you can take that for whatever you want. <laughs> Ooh, is, I live in Central Jersey now, so <laughs> there you go. They're both from Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, All right. So they they grew up. They both grew up very poor. They both grew up, you know, with a lot of hardships. And one thing that I've always seen them do is give back. Um, my mom was a special education mm. teacher for over 30 years. Um, she just retired about two years ago. And my dad, he served in the military for 21 years. And now even, you know, at, in his early 60s, he volunteers with an organization called Rubicon, which is um, a nationwide deployment. They, they uh, are disaster relief deployment. So he, wow. anytime there's like hurricanes or anything like that, in like Florida, um, he goes to Puerto Rico a lot, um, you know, all those places. So my parents have always just been about helping other people through humility. And I think just seeing that growing up, it's always just become a part of who I am. And I always, um, I always root for the underdog. My mom is an athlete. She's actually a hall of fame basketball player at five, six. What? Um, surprisingly, yeah, for her college. And so, oh yeah, I think just kind of growing up with sports and the giving back, you just always are rooting for the underdog. You're always just wanting to help. And so, yeah, I guess that's, that's the root of, of where that comes from. No, that's, that's, that's great roots to come from. Like a lot of people are like, wow, you know, you go to New Jersey and then traveling to help people overseas and disaster relief and hall of fame parents, uh, in the NCAA, <laughs> uh, like that's, yeah. that's, that's super cool. A lot of people can't say that. So, uh, kudos to you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually really cool to see. And so if you, if I'm trying to think of the mind of, wow, growing up in Hoboken, um, you, you were you always a person that was interested in technology or did technology come later? Like, what is that? What does that story look like? Yeah, that's interesting. So I actually grew up in Delaware, believe it or not. Um, oh, I was born nice. in Delaware. And the reason being my dad, when he was um, married, my mom, that's where he was stationed. So in Dover? Uh, with Dover. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's he was where my sister's. That's where my sister is. She's in the Air Force. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Air Force. Yep. So yeah. I. Interestingly, I don't know if you've you've been, um, but there's not a lot going on. Um, it's a very rural, suburban kind of area. There's only three counties in the whole state. Um, but I did have kind of a dichotomous upbringing since my family was from Hoboken. My mom's very close to her family. So I was going up there quite a bit. So mm. I did kind of get to see two sides of the coin um, as a young child and, you know, going to visit my Puerto Rican side. I, got, I still got a lot of that culture. Um, you know, tech was never something that really spoke to me growing up at all. My dad was kind of a tech nerd. Um, he definitely had his computer room. He was like really into video games. He actually now um, in his retirement from the military, he now works kind of in an IT um, role. So he's all, he's always been kind of in, into that, but I was always more of a creative. Um, my sister and I both got those genes from our dad. He's, he's a very eclectic individual. Um, 
but I knew from an early age that I actually wanted to major in writing when I, whenever I went to college. And so um, I kind of had that thought in my head. So when I did get to college, it wasn't even a second thought. Like I didn't even think about what am I going to do with this? Like I, I just was like, I, I had this vision. I knew I wanted to, to pursue writing. And so I actually was a creative writing major in college. And I focused a lot of on poetry. Um, I actually used to perform spoken word when I was in school, um, the whole nine. Yeah, yeah, a lot of finger snaps. And so it really wasn't, honestly, until I got into the working world. So after college, um, I kind of had that, you know, come to Jesus moment senior year where I was like, okay, I need a job. <laughs> All my friends were getting jobs, especially those in the financial industry, because they get jobs early. And yeah. um, I was like, what do I want to do? And so, you know, I had this idea since I didn't want to be a starving artist. I wanted to make money. I was like, maybe I should go into publishing, right? Like that, that seems to be the natural progression. Um, yeah. So funnily enough, I had, I don't know if you know, are familiar with Pearson, they make like all the textbooks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that one of their HR reps happened to come to my campus one day and the English major department like put it together. I literally went to that session resume in hand and I was like, I'm Alexis, here's my resume. So I ended up working um, for Pearson as an editorial assistant and quickly got advice from my manager that, um, I should spend time in sales if I wanted to move up in that industry. Um, really? Cause that just, believe it or not, that's the nature of academic publishing is everybody who works their way up spends time in sales. So mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a definitely a different world. Um, publishing and especially academic publishing is, is I never would have thought I would have worked in it. And I worked in that industry for about five years. Um, but yeah, I, that was one of the best pieces of advice I got because I went into sales. I actually moved to Raleigh, North Carolina at that time as a field sales rep. And um, it was kind of towards the end of my tenure in sales where I started to think about tech or like midway because I spent about three and a half years and I started seeing other people that were moving into tech or friends of mine from college who were in tech. And it was this was about 2016. Um, and it was hard to ignore the amount of money they were making. And, you know, I was like, okay, there's like, there's something here. And so, um, because I didn't have a background or any experience in tech, I, I actually, at the time, um, started doing a master's program part-time online in digital media design, just to kind of get my feet wet in the academic space. Cause I, when you looked at my resume, I mostly like, you know, writing, publishing. So I wanted to diversify myself, um, yeah. And so, yeah, so that's then I started kind of thinking about tech and, and started, you know, making those plans. Hey, family, I'm back again. You talked about Course Careers Technology Sales Course and what it did to change my life. Wait, there's more. Not only is it technology sales information technology courses as well. Now there's human resources, customer success, UI, UX. And did I even mention that there also is software development as well? Front end, back end and DevOps? Listen. This is something that you definitely want to take advantage of. So go ahead and click that link. Don't forget there's a discount from me if you click that link. And I hope to see you on the other side. So basically the basic needs of survival <laughs> moved you from a creative space into a technical space. And I totally get it. I, I'm, I'm a musician by heart. I went to undergrad for, for my, my bachelor's in sacred music. Oh, that's so cool. Whatever. Yeah, and so and so, but I, I so I get it. I get it. You you have that creative drive, right? Yeah. But then there's the needs to take care of everything else. <laughs> and so, 
there's this tug of war between these two worlds, the creative and the logical brain is like, hey, you got to get it together. Right. Um, how are you able to marry the two? Because mm -hmm. someone could look at a sales engineer position mm -hmm. and say, that's a very technical role. I don't see much creativity in there. But mm -hmm. you and I both know that you could be very creative oh, yeah. uh, as a sales engineer. Can you explain how you're able to marry the two? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, well, my first foray into pre-sales was actually at kind of a late stage tech startup. Um, it was, you know, it was a blessing from God, 100%. Um, I had a former sales manager around the time that I was looking to break into tech um, who had gone to this company. It was in the education space. So they were developing a technology for math and science courses. Um but it was a tech company. So she was like, Hey, they have the solutions architect role. Like, why don't you come over? And so I went over as a solutions architect. Um, but I mean, if you've ever worked at a startup or if you're familiar with startups, you know that typically the role you get hired for is one of the many things that you end up doing. So I yeah. think that was my first introduction to marrying creativity with a technical role because it, it afforded that, right? Because when you're in this like hustle, you know, environment where it's a new company, there's like, there were less than, I think we only had like maybe three or four solutions architects in the country. Um, that's actually what moved me to Chicago because I was working with Midwest, um, Midwest sales reps. And so, you know, you had to be creative. We were, we were a brand new technology that was something that wasn't really being done at that time because um, it was adaptive software and, there, and it was textbook agnostic, which, you know, we, it's been a few years, but at that point, this was like what, uh, 2017, 2018, we were still kind of in this phase where like some professors were like really progressive, like we don't need a textbook, but then you still have people who were like, <laughs> um, textbooks are life, you know, like we need all that. So it was really interesting time. So it, first the creative problem solving of like, how do we, how do we talk about this? And one of my superpowers has always been connecting with people and being able to pretty much have a conversation with anybody. Um, and so I started to learn how to be creative in that aspect with like, how do I, you know, work with this technology? How do I get this message across? Um, how do I leverage my storytelling, you know, skills? And so that's, that's, I think, one of the most underrated parts about being a solutions engineer or a solutions architect that people don't realize storytelling is so oh. important. So important. Um, so moving to HubSpot, you know, in a, in a more established department where, you know, I was more in my role, um, the creativity has really come from the storytelling and problem solving. Like I, I'm a crossword junkie. I love doing crosswords. I love puzzles. I love doing those things. And um, I feel like that's what solutions engineering is, right? I, I kind of semi-joke that it's almost like getting a mini MBA because you're talking to companies every day that are in completely different industries and you need to understand in a very short amount of time what their business is about, how they operate their business and how your software is going to fit their business. And then you get to kind of take that away and start playing around with things like, okay, how is this going to work for them? Um, so I think that's, it, and it's you, it definitely depending on the software you work with, like HubSpot is, I would say where in the past four years that I've been at the company, the software has grown exponentially. But when you're kind of a newer-ish software and you can't quite do all of the things, um, it definitely requires you to be creative and like, all right, how do we do workarounds here? How can we do this? So yeah. 
Yeah. And I see it all the time in demos, right? I'm an SDR and I've been doing this for almost a year now. And I had the opportunity to see that once the three of us get together, the SDR, the AE, and then the subject matter expert in my company, but the sales engineer, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a beautiful work. You know, at that point, I'm writing notes down. I'm trying to keep the conversation, you know, documented. And we, we, we use Gong and other things like that, which is great. But when you see the AE come in and kind of say, hey, you know, I have the sales engineer here. The sales engineer, the really good ones, are able to take the client through a through a journey of how their potential client can walk through the software and use it and utilize it, or even how they could utilize it in the back office and be able to be like, wow, I could see us doing this. And yep. so it, that definitely aligns with poetry because I think it's poetic in motion. I, I think it's poetry in motion if you want to think about it that way. And so that's really cool that you're able to kind of encap- just put that in a nice, beautiful capsule so that people could see like, hey, you don't have to necessarily give up your creativity when you're getting into tech. Totally. You could just leverage it in a different way. And yep. the great storytellers that I've encountered on this journey have either landed their job because of their storytelling, have excelled in their job because of their storytelling, and have really utilized that skill to be a powerful tool for them. So if y- y'all heard it again, this is not the first <laughs> time you heard storytelling is a gift, right? So definitely tap into it if you have that. And, and that makes me think of, you know, because I know sometimes creative people, we could tend to get bored quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could tend to be like, ah. And so I, I wanted to ask you, did you have like a I'm kind of bored moment or did you kind of like say, you know what? I just want to dive deeper into this, get deeper into this. And mm-hmm. and and if, did you have that moment? That's a good question. Oh, I haven't been asked that. You know, one thing that um, I will say, so one of the questions that I get asked a lot um, is, you know, what what do I attribute my success to? Um, you know, I was a top performer, solutions engineer two years in a row. I went to President's Club this past year. And so people ask me that a lot, right? And thank you. And um, one of the things that I tell people is that you know, I, I categorize, I actually was talking about this last night in my Learnful course. Um, I categorize it into two, um, two buckets, self-awareness and resourcefulness. And I think in terms of resourcefulness, and I know this is kind of a roundabout way of answering your question, but I'll get to the point. But um, when, I ta- when I think about resourcefulness, for me, what I realized pretty early on was as a solutions engineer, what I was really good at and what I wasn't good at. And what I was really good at was connecting with people, establishing relationships with my sales reps so that we gelled really well together, um, identifying my sales reps' weaknesses, you know, pretty early on. So that way, you know, when you're on a call, you can chime in and pick up the slack and you just know, you know, how to work that dynamic. Um, And also storytelling, right? Where I wasn't strong was the technical side. And I'll be honest, I was never the most technical SE. Um, Did I learn enough to be dangerous on calls and to handle my own? Absolutely. But when I started to try and like deepen my knowledge in some of those areas, I would get bored. And I think part of that was because I just am not the person that wants to code, that wants to really dive into SQL servers and like all the ins and outs and intricacies of how databases connect to each other and things like that. Um, So what I would tell people, right, is that I was, I learned how to be okay with that. 
And I learned who my resources were on my team and my department that I could lean on when like, hey, I have this deal. It's a little bit out of my technical purview. Can we talk through it? And I would learn through those experiences. But I think like for me, I knew that I, I, I'm definitely one of those people. I cannot force it. If it's boring to me, I can't force it. I learned that in college the hard way <laughs> when I tried to double major in econ um, and that didn't work out. So, you know, yeah, I have gotten like when it comes to certain aspects of the role, like I would get bored. And what I recognize is that it was okay. I don't need to be all of these things. I need to figure out what it is that I'm really good at. And I nurtured that. And so for me, that eventually evolved into helping other people, which brought me farther away from the technical aspect, right? And now it's more of the people aspect. Um, so yeah, I mean, you do get bored. And I think my advice for that is, you know, understanding what it is that is boring to you and what other aspects of the role excite you, you know what I mean? And how do you balance that? How do you nurture what excites you and how do you take what's boring and turn it into an opportunity so for me like even though the technical aspect and diving into that and learning wasn't my jam i still would find the right people and still spend the time necessary to do my job well but i wasn't beating myself up over it because i wasn't overextending myself forcing myself to you know be in this box yeah i think that's really well said I think for me, finding the game within the game, because being an SDR, you have to hunt. And yeah. so for me, I like the fact of getting in these conversations and being creative, uh, of course, trying to stay close to, you know, what it is, the value props and things of that nature. But sometimes I love the, the ability to almost be an actor on a stage. Uh, <laughs> so I might get on the call and I'll be like, you know, hey, I'm calling from da 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 da. How are you doing today? Are you feeling great? I'm feeling good. Are you feeling good? And then, like, that kind of throws them off a little bit. And then I say, you know what? And then I kind of get into the conversation. Or it might be something where it's like, hey, listen, I I lost half my face to Ramsey Hunt syndrome. So if you can't hear me properly, I'm sorry. Let's try to do this together. Right. And and just being transparent and yeah. having real conversations and being creative with the way I approach things has been my outlet for creativity. Because I'm like, oh, this is fun. I could try it this way, or I could try it this way. And it's, and it's allowed me to get some good success in my first 11 months doing this job. So I'm, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and another thing you said there, I think I want to, I love what you said. You get, you get these places where you are dangerous. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I you said that. Yeah. Uh, but one specific thing you said that I really liked is that you looked at your strengths and mm -hmm. you say, okay, let me just make sure I solidify these. I can, I can work on these and make sure I'm good here. And then the other places I'm, I'm yeah. It's going to happen, right? <laughs> I'm going to get to it, but I know, at least I know where I'm strong. And mm -hmm. I think that if we come in that that mindset, people that are on the fringe, because a lot of people that are watching are either on the fringe of where do I go in tech? What right. do I do? Yeah. And they're trying to figure out through these interviews and then kind of giving that, that, that way to look at it says, you know what? I actually am good at numbers. So maybe, maybe I want to do this or I'm good at design. Maybe I want to, maybe I want to get into, uh, uh, Q, Q, you know, doing design or doing, I like, was I can't even talk right now. UI. UI. Yeah, UI. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so different things that people can actually do. And that's why I love to have these conversations. And so before I, uh, before I get to learn full, I want to talk about that transition that you had because mm -hmm. you went from being a sales engineer to now a manager of mm -hmm. sales engineers. That's a, that's a, that's a big jump for people, you know, who don't know. It is. It is. Yeah, it is a big jump. Um, it's funny, my the VP of my department told me when I was going for this role, she was like, you know, 
it's the toughest transition going from a top performing individual contributor to a manager. And it is. And I, and I tell people, you know, all the time, no matter, and you can say this about most things in life, no matter how much you think you're prepared for something mentally, it's, it's a completely different ball game when you're in it. You know, it's, it's completely different. So for me, um, you know, I had worked with my previous manager for about a year. Like we knew I wanted to be a manager. He was a phenomenal mentor. Um, he really, he really helped me come into my own. Um, he was, he was, I would say the first person to truly see my leadership potential and nurture that in me. And so, you know, it's, we, we went into this very prepared and I went into the interview. I obviously, you know, got the job, but being in it, you're, there's so much that you don't realize goes into being a manager. And, um, and it's been, and it's been an interesting roller coaster for sure. It's, what I have been telling, I actually led a session recently internally at HubSpot um, on being going from IC to manager uh, for people who are interested in that path. And, you know, one of the things that I struggled with is, and I still struggle with, is organization. You don't necessarily think about it, but when you're a solutions engineer or in your case, an SDR or a sales rep, like your calendar is pretty much spoken for. Like, you know what you have to do. You have the deals, you have the leads, you have the opportunities, you know, you're playing counter Tetris, you know, you know, when you got to meet your quota, you know, for SEs, like I know what I got to do for my deals, but when you're a manager, you know, they're the white space you get on your calendars. You're like, all right, what do I do? You know, like, I know I have this list of things that I need to do, but like, how do we prioritize this? How do we think through this? And so that's been an interesting shift for me in, in trying to, to figure that out. Another thing I will say that I've been dealing with recently is how do you show up for your team when you're going through personal things? Mm. And that has been, I will say, a really tough, really tough lesson because you know, I've just been going through a challenging time in my life the last few months and it personally. And so, you know, immediately I'm like, when I was an individual contributor, it was fine. You know, if I needed to shut off, you know, we work in a remote world, it's fine. You know, I work my deal, I go away, but now I'm responsible for seven people. And, you know, on top of that, I'm responsible for their growth, for their careers, like all these things, like even just last week, I actually just moved from Chicago to Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, literally a week ago. And I got really sick when I got here. I only took two days off because last week was the only week that we had to do our performance reviews. And so I'm sick. I just moved. I don't have my furniture yet, all these things. And then I had to do seven performance reviews as a first-time manager with my entire team within two days. And that was a lot. And it's, you know... And even like being on your A game, that could be a lot, but throw in all those other variables, throw in going through a difficult time in your life. And yeah. it's it's been a challenge, I will say, but um, I feel very fortunate and blessed to work at a, at a company in a department that is very understanding of us as humans, not worker bees, which is nice. Hey, do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you're just at the same place in your career? and you don't really see a way out, this is a great time for you to take it to the next level. Level Careers is a course that I've been talking about for some time. From account executive and even sales engineering, there are courses that can help you propel from where you are now 
to where you want to go. Check out the link below. Use my promo code Joseph10 and check out the free courses, whether that's the SOC analyst course, the account executive course, or the sales engineer course. Take your career to the next level. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you there. Like when you work for a place, uh, I would honestly say an industry, really, mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, where there there is a value on you being a human being first, <laughs> it feels different. I mean, I, I think about it the other day, and this is when I was when I was sick. Everybody kind of knows about it now, but when I had the Ramsey Hunt syndrome, I literally was diagnosed with it uh, with Bell's palsy before I was diagnosed with Ramsey Hunt syndrome. And then I, you know, try to push through it. I got a couple of deals, uh, books of demos that, not demos really, but overviews that I booked and stuff like that. Um, but the, the like two days later, I had like a huge headache and I'm like, okay, I need to go to the ER. There was no like, uh, you sure you want to go right now? There's no question about it. Like, they're like, please get off the phone here. Get Go close your laptop, take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself is a phrase that my manager loves to say. And I think that that's another value point about basically working in this industry is that you are valued as a human being first. And I just wanted to echo that sentiment because it's so true. Yeah, it really so, is. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so listener, <laughs> watcher, whoever, if you're on the podcast listening in, if you're watching this on YouTube, and if you have those issues or those struggles where you kind of have to basically kind of figure out, okay, can I tell my employer that needs some time off and be, or or face the consequences just know that there's an industry that would actually look at you as a human being first and would actually say hey take care of yourself yeah we'll be we'll be here when you come back we'll exactly and i think great advice that was given to me when i was going through and has that been going through all this too is if you're not showing up if you can't come to work you know even though we're in the virtual world 100 percent your, your team's going to understand like you. And I always tell people this too. I tell people on my team all the time, we're not saving lives. You know, we're selling software. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep the context in your mind. Like we're not, we're not uh, yeah. surgery here. So it's okay. If you miss a day, if you miss a deal, if you miss whatever. Um, and so that was really helpful for me to keep in mind. And also, you know, one of my manager colleagues told me like, cause you know, she had gone through similar situation when she was a new manager and she's like, just be transparent. And that helped a lot is just being open and honest. Like, Hey, I'm going through something right now, letting my manager, my director know, like this is what's going on. Like, you know, um, and, and that is being vulnerable is I'm the biggest fan of vulnerability. Um, and that goes so far, um, and really is such a, a huge part of, keeping yourself healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that as well. And I wanted just to touch on this real quickly, because I know that this is something that people that are, again, they're on, they're on the fringe. They're looking in. They're like, ah, I think so. Maybe not. What is the day in the life of a sales engineer? And then you can even elaborate to say, what's the day in the life of a manager such as yourself? Mm, God, good question. So that they definitely look a little different. So a day in the life of a solutions engineer and this, and I will say this is a caveat, right? Because it's going to look a little different at any, any company you, you work for. Um, I would say there are some fundamental similarities in pre-sales regardless of the company, but the way companies handle pre-sales is a little bit different. And the reason why I say that, um, so one of the unique things that I have found about HubSpot 
uh, solutions engineering is that we actually don't run full demos at HubSpot as SEs. So our AEs, our sales reps, they run their full demos. And um, but where we come in and what I like to call our brand, if you will, is we are technical and strategic deal partners. So a day in the life, you know, you have your pipeline as a solutions engineer, you have the deals that we have sales reps who are requesting support. Usually that happens right after they have their discovery call with the prospect because they've unearthed maybe a complicated business use case, some technical aspects that they know they're going to need help with, whatever the case may be. And so solutions engineer gets wrapped in. So on any given day, likely a solutions engineer is running internal deal prep review calls with their rep. They got assigned a deal. They meet with the rep, um, maybe other people that are involved in the deal process and just get a lay of the land. What do we know? Uh, you know, what do we need to still find out and just really get a good sense of the prospect and what their use cases and pain points are. And then discussing those next steps, right? And um, there's a lot of strategy in that as a solutions engineer, a lot of asking the right questions and asking questions is an art form. I will say that. Um, and so there's that part. And then you have your prospect facing calls, right? So on any given day, I could have anywhere from like three to maybe on a busy day, six meetings. And those could e they, those could be a mix of internal deal reviews, prospect facing calls, which those calls could either be demos where we're supporting the rep or maybe we're running a part of it um, or we're really just there to help add additional value, tell that story. Um, or it could be a technical call where we're discussing integrations, uh, discussing a very technical use cases, talking to IT. Um, and then you also have your internal meetings. So something at HubSpot that we do in our organization and pre-sales is um, we have projects. So and we call them enterprise value projects. So typically a solutions engineer as part of their you know, promotion path and things that they work on, they're working on projects. So for example, um, one thing that I worked on with um, a couple other people last year was we helped develop resources, like quick, easy resources for sales reps to give them kind of the, the down low on integrations, like the top three things they need to know when they're going into a discovery call, for example. Um, so could be creating enablement resources. Um, we actually have people right now in our organization who are working on making our security enablement better internally. Um, we have people working on like forecasting projects because we do have some kind of like target attainment. And so they're working yeah. on how do we forecast better. So there's all different types of really cool things that, um, which is what I love about HubSpot, is that um, whatever your interests are as a, an SE, you get an opportunity to work outside of deals on those types of things. And so, um, so yeah, so any given day, you have a mix of calls. They could be internal project-based stuff, team meetings, things like that. And then, of course, in the time when you're not in meetings, you're working on your deal prep. You're working on your deal follow-ups. You're working on, you know, um, maybe stuff for your project. So it keeps you, it keeps you busy. Um, now, as a manager... Completely different. <laughs> Completely different. Um, as a manager, I mean, every week is different. Um, every day is different. You know, a lot of my days are spent uh, looking at data, <laughs> which is new to me. Uh, looking at data, looking to see, um, 
you know, where we might need, where some of my SEs might need help, might need coaching. I also do call reviews. So we record all of our sales calls. So I actually just started doing that this week with my team where um, I'm listening to some of their calls that they picked for me to get feedback. Um, I'm meeting with the other, you know, the other managers that uh, I work in the same segment with. So I'm a manager in our mid-market segment. So we meet weekly and we talk about things like trends, you know, try and solve problems, you know, sales team alignments. That's one of the things we're going through right now. How do we align sales teams better? Um, How do we better enable our, our solutions engineers? What's going on with our culture? What are things that we can do to improve the culture? Um, it's just a constant barrage wow. of things that are coming at you every week of what what can we make better as managers for our people, whether it's culture related, whether it's, you know, doing their job, whether it's, you know, alignment, you know, making sure that pre-sales is all aligned because we've grown. When I first started, we had 15 SEs in 2019 uh, for North America. Now we have six SE teams, two SA teams. Um, it's so it, it can be, as you can imagine, there's definitely that need to for cohesion and alignment as you scale. And so yeah. that's a lot of what, what we're working on. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, 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 it's a lot. Like, first of all, I, I know that from my, from my vantage point, especially in my organization, Sales engineers, they get a lot, right? <laughs> so, but to hear what a sales engineer manager has to do, it really does, it really does make me have a greater appreciation, you know? Um, so, so Caroline, if you're out there, I appreciate you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, no, I, no, she's, she's the best. Um, but yeah, no, it makes me definitely appreciate, appreciate all that you do. And there's a lot to learn. Speaking yeah. about learning, uh, let's talk about Learnful. Uh, so, so Learnful is a special thing to me. And the reason why I say that is because I've seen other other groups and organizations. And and one thing I, you know, I, I like to kind of put out there is my understanding or, or what I believe is that there, there are some prerequisites to becoming a sales engineer. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, there's some people that have been able to get the role uh, without having a some of those prerequisites, but it's a lot harder. <laughs> and it really is one of those things where when somebody could really kind of get in there, they really are in a good spot, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not an easy place to become. I mean, SDR, entry-level position, BDR, you're cool. Yeah, yeah you get there a little bit easier. But sales engineer, whoo, that, that's something else. And so one, so I love something that like Learnful because of the accountability that it provides, mm-hmm. the community that you have, the fact that it is a six-week program at the time that you're in whatever cohort you are in, and you're going through that together. And then once you leave the program, you have not left the community. I actually right. had a graduate that I spoke to offline, and he was like, yeah, like I was contemplating how I'm going to go forward, being strategic, because that's, that's what I learned to do. And yeah. then all of a sudden, <laughs> my mentor comes and said, wait, what you doing? Have you applied to jobs? Let's go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then he's like... I, 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 sir. And, and so, yeah. but that's really cool. Can you talk about how you were able to stumble into Learnful and, and how you became a part of that organization? Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. Um, so it was very divine timing, serendipitous. Um, you can tell I'm a spiritual person, so I believe in all of that. And, uh, for me, um, I had about a, about a year or so ago, I was, you know, and I still kind of am in this place in my life where I'm like, how do I give back? 
beyond mm. my nine to five, right? Um, because it's one thing to, you know, feel fulfilled giving back to people at work, but at the end of the day, you know, it's work. It's, you know, you're making money for, for a company. And so, and I think it's like, I talked about my parents. I think it's so important for us to give back to other people in whatever capacity that looks like. And so I was actually going through this kind of soul searching journey of how can I give back? Like, what do I have to give back? Right. And it just so happened that Nigel, who is the founder of Learnful and a very dear friend of mine. So we actually worked on the same team at HubSpot um, at the time. And we had become very good friends and uh, we were fast friends. And when he started coming up with the idea for Learnful, he came to me and he was like, you know, tell me about it. And I was super excited. And then he was like, I'd love for you to be a part of it. Like, I'd love for you to be an instructor. And he had, when he started at HubSpot, I was about, I think, a little over two years into my tenure. So I had helped him a lot when he was in USC um, onboarding and all of that. And so he was like, you're, you know, you're really good at this. Like you have a gift to, to teach and to help other people like, learn this role. And so it was just very, like, I like almost took a step back and kind of teared up. And I was like, oh my gosh, what timing? Because I've literally been thinking about how can I get back? And so that was the impetus of me joining. He you know, put it together. I was like, I'm in, let's do this. I helped create uh, content for the sessions that I teach. So I teach um, four content-based sessions. And then I also run uh, one of our, we have like tech roundtable discussions every Thursday. So I run one of those. And then um, we also towards the end have like our role plays and things like that, that I help out with. So yeah, that's how I got involved. Hey, I didn't forget about you. You're a person that needs to be in a place where you are working close with someone else, a mentor, a friend, someone that could take you to the deeper and more intricate parts about being a sales engineer, but you don't know where to go. Learnful is a program that allows you to work with people that are high ranking sales engineers, solution architects, solutions advisors, and they're able to not only mentor you, but teach you the ways to become a sales engineer that can be impactful for you. If you think that Learnful is for you, go ahead and click on the link below for more information. You can use my promo code Joseph150 to be able to save. Go ahead and click the link below. And now back to our show. Nice. And so somebody that's listening to that might be wondering like, man, uh, that sounds cool. I get to hang out with Alexis and Nigel and all these different people. I want to, I want in. Uh, let me remind you if I haven't said it before, it is a selective process. And so what, and I think I have an idea of the type of person that you're looking for and learn full. Yeah. Who would you say is that type of person that you're saying, Hey, if you have X, Y, and Z, maybe let's make it simple. Let's say, what are the three characteristics of a stand out, mm-hmm. uh, student, if you want to call them a student or pupil that goes through the learnful program and succeeds? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say if I had to break it down into three um, characteristics, it would be growth mindset. You know, I think that that's so vital. I mean, honestly, in anything in life, right? Because especially when you're transitioning into something completely new, if you don't have a growth mindset, you're you're not going to be successful. I think that's just the bottom line. Um, so growth mindset, I would say, um, self-awareness, uh, which again, I think self-awareness is one of those key pieces where, you know, 
and I tell this to everybody that comes through our cohorts, you know, being self-aware of who you are and what your superpowers are is going to be what helps get you into this role. Um, Cause mm. you, you mentioned this earlier, right? Like when you think about what are you good at and how does that fit? Like, where does that fit in the tech space? What role does that fit in? You, that inevitably requires you to be self-aware of what those things even are to begin with. Right. And yeah. being honest with yourself of like, what am I good at? And not only that, but owning it. Right. Because so often people get scared. They, they become afraid of like, Oh, I've never done this before. I can't be good at this. But if you are honest with yourself and you're like, well, I'm really good at this. And that's something that they're looking for. Well, well why not? You know? And so I yeah. think that self-awareness and growth mindset are so critical. And then I think the last thing is discipline. I think mm. you know, as with anything, when you're, we live in a society where we expect fast results, we expect immediacy, we expect instant gratification. And we have long forgotten the discipline that goes into mastering. Um, if you talk to anybody who's the best at whatever it is that they're the best at, yeah. I guarantee you, they will tell you they've spent hours and hours and hours dedicated and disciplined to their craft. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to spend every single winking moment, you know, dedicated to being a solutions engineer, going to pre-sales, but it does take yeah. a level of discipline. You know, it's six weeks, it's Monday through Friday, every evening, you're meeting with a mentor, you know, there's a lot of things that you could be doing with that time. Um, you know, it, we go from eight to 10 PM Eastern time. Like that's late. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, other people could be doing, um, out with their friends, whatever. So it takes discipline and dedication to really, you know, hone what you're to reach your goals. Absolutely. I love that. I love that growth mindset, self-awareness and discipline. I mean, you have to have discipline in order to achieve anything. And I think, and I think for those that I've known of who had, who had been able to do all those different things, they had a strong why. Like, like for, I know for myself, when I was trying to get into becoming an SDR after kind of working my way in solar sales a little bit, I was like, man, I need to make a change. You know, I have a baby. We have another baby due. <laughs> you know, like it's just a lot of different changes are happening. I need to be intensely focused on the task at hand and and that is what kind of gave me the tenacity to be like okay boom I'm, I'm landing this here and so that tenacity needs to be for you if you are if you are one of the privileged few to get into learnful because like i remind you it's almost like 120 uh members of these uh i think about 120 i think per year that you guys accept in mm -hmm. regards to students that's not a lot of people right so wow. if you are <laughs> if you're part of the privileged few to get into that cohort you definitely want to be able to take this by the by the horns and really run with it and yeah. really kind of give your all because it's one of those things. It's a privilege, it's an opportunity. You're building connections and you're networking with people that are not going to just, okay, great, you got the certificate, you're done with the program, boom. No, these are people that are going to really rock with you and ride with you for a while. Um, and so when I heard, so when I saw that, I'm like, man, this is something that is very unique. Yeah. Um, and and it, the reason why there's this buy-in, call, I call it a buy-in, um, is because we need you need to have skin in the game, right? Yeah. You need to invest in yourself, and so that's the reason why uh, there is 
this buy-in. I'll just call it a buy-in <laughs> that yeah. they have as attached to it, you know? And so definitely check it out. I don't want to scare you from Learnful because it's <laughs> such a good thing, but yes. just know that you, this is not for the faint of heart. We, they're looking for soldiers. They're looking for people that, that can really kind of say, this is what they've done the research a little bit. They understand preset a little bit and they, they're ready to get into this because it could be a life altering decision. And, and with that being said, Alexis, thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm really, I really wanted to, I love the fact that we were able to talk about so much different things in regards to the creativity that could be found in tech and in regards to your trajectory, your career trajectory, and, uh, and how a lot of people can follow that path. Now, in regards to the person that has a question right now that says, okay, great. I, I know that I, I want to I do Learnful. I think that's a path for me. You mentioned those prerequisites for a person that would be a great candidate for this program. What what if I wanted to kind of do it the old fashioned way? How how could I get how could I become a sales engineer the old fashioned way? What would you say to them? The old fashioned way. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, ooh. I would say the first step is to become intimately familiar with the role. You know, I think there's there's a lot of content out there these days. There's a lot of blogs, there are a lot of videos. I would say be hungry and consume as much content as possible to really understand the role. Um, because I think there for a couple of different reasons. One, obviously, you you know, if you're gonna go into interviews and you're gonna search for companies, you're gonna want to understand what it is, you know, that you're you're going for. But I think too, as well, the more you become familiar with a role, the more you start to understand one, is it the right role for me, right? Because I think a lot of times, especially if you've never worked in tech, there's so many roles in tech in the tech space that you can't find in other industries. And so a lot of times I feel like it's difficult just translating. What do these things mean? What, what does this, um, how, how do I go about, you know, going into this type of role? Um, or what is the what are the, even the responsibilities? So I would say research it, um, really get intimately familiar. And as you're starting to get familiar with the role and what makes a strong solutions engineer, and like I said, you're going to find a lot of videos out there, people talking about this, start to actually write down your superpowers, right? I can't stress this enough. Like start to write down yeah. and reflect on what are you really, really good at and how does that align with your role, with the, with the solutions engineer role, right? And so I would say that's the first step. And then, you know, as you start to look at, um, as you start to look at companies, that's where, you know, I actually, we had a recruiter um, come join us in our tech roundtable last week at Learnful and he dropped some knowledge. And I'll drop a little bit of wisdom that he was talking about that I was like, that's so, that's such a good point. You know, a lot of times when people want to go into tech, they pay attention to the big names, right? They pay attention to the oracles, the sales forces, the pub spots, you know, the names that everybody knows. And those, I mean, it, those are hard. Those are difficult companies to get roles at, especially right now in the, in the economy that we're in. Um, in the tech landscape that we're in in 2023. So look for startups, look for small companies, look for companies that maybe aren't brand names. Because when you're thinking about pivoting into tech for the first time, chances are you're not going to land your dream company off the bat. Chances are you're not even going to land your dream role off the bat. So I think, you know, if you go in with that mindset of, okay, 
you know, let me at least look for opportunities that, you know, I have a better chance of getting, um, you're going to get much farther along. And then also keep in mind that, and what, this is one of the things that he said, and, and I, we both talked about a little bit, keep in mind that even if it doesn't work out, you know, right off the bat, a lot of times recruiters, when you're going for roles, they will be able to direct you if they feel like, for example, you're not the right fit you know, for this particular role, they might be able to redirect you into another role at the company. They're like, hey, why don't you think about this? Um, I actually, speaking of SDRs, I had a really, one of my best friends, she had a former colleague who spent time in uh, sales for years um, in event sales, got laid off during the pandemic, wanted to work at HubSpot. And I was honest with him. I was like, look, this is your first time in software sales. Chances are they're going to start you at the bottom of the barrel. And, um, I was like, if you're okay with that, you're going to be taking a pay cut, but you will have that ability to move up and you will be able to get your foot in the door, which is the most important piece. Then I would say it's for you, you know, and that's exactly what ended up happening. He ended up getting a BDR role, which is, you know, SDR. Uh, He ended up getting that role and he now is a sales rep, you know, has moved up the ranks within, I think, less than two and a half years. So I say that to you as well. If you if you're getting rejection after rejection, don't be afraid. Like when recruiters are telling you, Hey, you're not a great fit. Be like, Hey, you've seen my resume. You've seen, you know, what my skill sets are. Are there other opportunities at your company that you think I could be better suited for um, yeah. at this time? Yeah. So I would say those are some of the, the, the important things is just do your research, work on skills, um, match up your superpowers and have that growth mindset and don't give up. Drop the mic. Yeah, this is, the proverbial, this is the proverbial mic right here. Chop. Uh, <laughs> that was really good, Alexa. Especially that last part. Like, and I, that's. I think I don't know if I heard that before. I'm trying to think if I if I interviewed. I interviewed recruiters and all sorts of people. I don't think I heard anybody say, "Hey, you see my resume? What other positions might be a good fit that you may know of?" I think that's 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 a that's a gem. I definitely keep the keep that relationship with recruiters. Keep that flowing because you never know. That is so good. Alexis, I love this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here at Techniche Tips. It was a blast. I, I, I know a few, a few sales engineers that are, that are trying to get into that role that, that will definitely be able to benefit from this conversation. Great. Well, I, I hope so. And, you know, find me on LinkedIn. Um, feel free to connect with me. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was, this was great. Yeah, absolutely. And like Alexis said, it's going to be in the description below. So go ahead, go to her LinkedIn, like she said, show her some love, connect, follow, you know, like her comment, like her comment, like, post comment, subscribe. Like, <laughs> like comment and subscribe to her uh, and do that here. Like I'm going to say again, we have a podcast form as well. So go check it out. Techniche tips. Uh, go ahead and check out the podcast form. But again, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And like I always say, Until next time, I hope to see you on the other side. Take care, family.